0: Welcome to The Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett, and on today's episode, we have Mr. Jordan Levy from CapSource. Now, if you're a business owner who deals with multiple stakeholders and you're trying to build up an audience, a community, a group of people that you are interacting with, and you want to know how to do it and which order to do it in, whose priority should you put first when it comes to your stakeholders? How can you raise capital? How can you crack into new markets? You will not want to miss this episode so if you're a business owner and you tick those boxes make sure you check that out and of course if you need help getting in front of more people head over to marketingmogul.com.au where we have got your back but until then let's jump into the show thank you so much for joining us really appreciate you making the time
1: thanks for having me it's great to be here
0: absolute pleasure now i always like to start off the podcast the same question every time which is jordan if i met you and we're out at a party and i said what is it that you actually do what's your go-to answer well
1: it's a good question i think we make it exciting to learn and meaningful and i think there's a lot of players involved in in our model but I think it's just not as useful, you know, to learn out of textbooks as it is to learn from people, from mentors out there in the real world that are doing it. And, you know, we're trying to help inspire the next generation and connect them with real businesses and real leaders of those organizations.
0: Why did you choose to go down that path? Because obviously some people could just be like, look, there's there's decent educators out there. There's people that are doing a decent job of things. Like what was it that kind of sparked the interest for you to want to dive down that path and and make it easier and more accessible for people?
1: First, I was like, I wanted to see it. I wanted to see it happen. I wanted to poke it. I wanted to like find the people who did it. I think that was one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from, you know, my entrepreneurship professor, but he's like, you have to be obsessed with your customer and the change you're trying to make in the world. And I was like, okay, well, I didn't get enough of those classes growing up, like in college. And, you know, I I wanted to be someone who graduated with 10 internships because I had so much of a clue of what I wanted to do that I chose the best thing for me because they also felt it was the best thing for me. And like, I had chances to try other things. I got into, you know, the accounting major because of some advice from a guy in my fraternity, who was a little older than me, who was going through the ropes. And he was like, okay, this is what I learned. You should do finance after you declare accounting because that's that's the way you get the best job out of Lehigh. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And then as, we got, as I got older, I was like, I have no experience in anything but being a camp counselor and a bartender. <laughs> like, how am I supposed to like be a business person if I've never worked? At, you know, I did a KPMG internship and it just wasn't right for me. I knew it. And I was like, if I had 10 of these experiences... Then I would know the perfect thing for me. And so I basically created a career out of figuring that out for other people.
0: Nice. And so, like at what point did that happen? Obviously, you went through the internships um, or the, the internship there and finding that out. Like, when did you make the decision that you're like, I want to help other people with this as well?
1: When I was a college senior, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do because I realized that I didn't, I the last thing I wanted was to go take the CPA and then start working full-time at KPMG in New York City on, you know, it was like a transactions group. And I was just like, I just didn't have a good experience there. It was really cool work, but I just, I didn't like like the whole big firm feel. I didn't like the work as like, I didn't want to be buried in Excel all day. I was like too creative for that. And I was like, wait, so like, why didn't I know this before I committed to this? Right. And so I basically was like, I just want to figure out how to make, that a better experience for students and, and just more accessible. I think, you know, we don't, we, you can't provide all those experiences to everyone. That's why we build software, right? We want to actually help everyone coordinate these types of experiences. So we really sell enterprise software and then we actually use our own software to build programs to show that it really works. And then we just, start packing up those features and say, hey, now you could do this too. And I think that's been a really cool experience for us because, you know, it forces us to be our own customer. Right. Like I almost look at the sales team at my organization is the customer of the product team. Right. And like we they have to make us, you know, successful. Like we have to make our customers successful.
0: I love that. Yeah, you always want to make sure that your customers are successful at, on uh, after using and, and uh, enjoying your product, right? So that's always a, a, a big win, and I think a big focus that sometimes people it seems like they forget a little bit. But tell us, look, like unpack a little bit more. So if someone comes to you, like, what's the actual like process that they go through? How does the uh, how does it all work for them?
1: So there's two stakeholders that pay us, and one very important stakeholder that doesn't. So the two stakeholders that are bought into CapSource are industry and academic partners. And they are involved because of a very different aspect of the engagement, which is experiential learning, if you're a student, and experiential hiring, if you're a company. Why does an organization want to get involved in you know, a project with students in a classroom or building an internship program? It's because they want to hire the best talent and they want to connect with the next generation. So- it's a cycle and we provide technology to both sides that they can connect and customize their experience and ultimately build you know build value for their organization. so universities can build experiential learning programs that connect with companies, hopefully monetize, monetize those companies companies in the future and then the, the companies can connect with talent and that very important stakeholder that gets it for free is the students because ultimately that's who we that's our primary beneficiary. Except we all know there's a huge, you know, economic crisis in the U.S. with like college debt and students taking on way too much. Like it's the it's the responsibility of society, which means it's really the responsibility of businesses who are trying to target these people for as customers and as employees to train the next generation, to engage them, to to, to connect with them in a way that you know results in value for them and for themselves.
0: Mm. And you, like, uh, I don't know if it's is going to be easy, if this is an easy question to answer, but can you, like, walk us through one of those, like, do you have any, like, example experiences? Like, if a student is studying, like, what's kind of put in front of them and then what do they undertake and then what does that kind of, like, end up getting them?
1: Yeah. So a really cool experience that comes to mind for me is we do a live case competition that we've been doing for many years. And it's with a partner organization in the U.S. that – accredits business schools and they want to basically provide all their schools with an opportunity to get their students involved in something that helps the students learn about the business world and ultimately can help them get hired. And so last year we gave the students a challenge. There's a company called CoinSource. They're actually in the midst of doing their second version of this with us because it was so successful the first time. They basically asked groups of students from all over the world, hey, we're trying to go from B to C B2B. We want to build an enterprise platform for Bitcoin ATMs and basically sell them to 7-Eleven so that 7-Eleven can have ATMs in all their stores. And then we want to go to BlackRock and sell to BlackRock too, so that you can have BlackRock Bitcoin, right? And so that was their concept. You know, students know. You know, some students know a lot about Bitcoin. Others know nothing, and they can all come into the situation, pour you know, pour their heart into building a final deliverable. And literally the top 10% of people in that program got hired by the company and still work there today and are actually like selling and building new products. And it's amazing because they use this, the companies use this as a tool to vet talent and to help the talent learn about what's really out there and if they can really add value.
0: That's awesome. And I suppose then as well, like the, even if you weren't successful as like the top 10% or one of the winning ones, you still have that on your, your resume and CV being like, Hey, I was a part of this program. This is what we focused on and did that's really cool. Like, I, I think that's, that's really exciting. Like I went to university and study here and I was like, that would definitely engage me and interest me if there's something like that popped up. You know, Australia's probably a bit behind. You, need, you probably need to come and do some more stuff in Australia, man. I think we're a bit behind you guys over in the, uh, in the U S from that, uh, engagement perspective. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, sorry, hope,
1: I hope so. Yeah. I, I definitely would be you know, interested in, in working with Australian schools. I love the system, the academic system. they a key stakeholder in this too, because they want to train those students who end up being, you know, those really impactful, you know, future leaders, right? That that's what the university system is so good at getting the students in, but then really drops the ball on actually preparing them for tomorrow. And I think that's what we do well because you're basically connecting them with the people building tomorrow, and you're saying, hey, that's part of our learning experience. It's not the whole thing. And I think one other thing you mentioned that kind of resonated with me is like the resume, right? It's like what experience that the students can reference and that's actually what we call it is reference worthy experience for the young professionals right they're actually like you need to add stuff to your resume that you can talk about right and like sometimes a bartender or a camp counselor is not going to cut it like yeah you can show that you have organizational skills and that you can work as a team and that you're a good caretaker but like sometimes people want to know like do you know how to write code and like solve a problem for you know a technology team Or do you know how to build a financial model that's going to work for my stakeholders or analyze data and build a dashboard? Right. And those are the types of projects that come to us. And then the students walk away with literally something that they can add to their resume reference worthy the experience.
0: Uh, Yeah. Because I know even myself, like I went to university and even though I worked full time, so I worked full time at an accounting firm while I was studying at university. And I went for a lot of these like uh, entry level and in Australia, they call graduate level positions And they're like, oh, cool. Like, yes, you've got work experience, but it's not directly correlating to the industry. And we didn't really have anything else. So they're like, because there was, say, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 people graduating with similar degrees at the same time. They're like, oh, we can't take you. And I'm like, but this is an entry level position. How am I supposed to get, like, what do you want from me? How am I going to give you something else? Like, what can I do? I mean, for me, it was probably a blessing because now I run my own company because I had to, because I didn't get to go into any of the the cool companies that I thought I was going to work for. Because it was so hard. So I can understand, especially from the, not only from the company's position, but from the the student's position as well. It's, it's hard to make yourself stand out. So these things, it just sounds like it's a really powerful tool for them to be able to, to kind of
1: utilize. 40% of U.S. entry-level jobs require three years of work experience. <laughs>
0: So this one, I was like, how could you call that entry level? Like it's meant to be the point where you enter. Oh gosh. That's the
1: the thing that that I always shocked I actually recently found that statistic because we, you know, we've been selling to schools and getting students on our platform for a long time, but we actually never really packaged up the, the opportunity for companies to get involved and pay for some value. And that's something that's new for us because we built the foundation on trying to learn you know, how do you build these programs successfully? What do you look for, right? As an educator, as a student, how are you successful? What are you looking for at the end of that experience? And, you know, a lot, a lot of times it's just recognition for work that was done well and opportunities to improve, coaching, right? I think that's what students really want. And then, you know, connections, connections to, to, to real people that can make a difference in their lives. And I think that it's really cool to see, you know, some of the students – that actually get jobs out of, you know, these cap source projects. They're just doing a classroom project. And then the company comes by and says, Hey, you know, I think you're so smart. I want to hire you. Like, I think that's the most serendipitous, like amazing thing that you can create as a platform is some small influence on a person's life that changes it forever.
0: (laughs) And and purely because I'm like, I'm on big on the marketing side of things and the sales process side of things. What's been your process? Because obviously it's, it's, now by the sounds of it so you got a lot of cool companies coming to work with you a lot of schools jumping on board because of the results that you've got now but like in the early days how did you go about attracting companies so they could come and how did you go about attracting the schools and going hey like you need this because I can imagine at the beginning my experience with schools and universities and whatnot has always been where they're like, well, this is how we've always done it. So that's what we're, how we're always going to do it. And it might just be more an Australian thing. But like, how did you kind of break through that with, and then go, hey, Linude, like, this is what you need to bring on board. And then to companies, like, hey, like this is, like, how did you, what was your process of marketing to those two different stakeholders?
1: So I think the key thing is that you have to, if you're building a marketplace, you need it to give it for, away for free to some of your stakeholders or else it's impossible to get like all of them to sign up at the same time. And, you know, one thing is like, you, know, you go back to a simple, like a simple platform. Uber is a simple platform. There's really two sides and then there's Uber, right? And so you have, you're either a driver or you're someone who takes rides, right? Or technically you could be both. You have a very different user interface if you're logged into one or the other, but like you could, you technically have two user roles and you just need to like, there's a the market maker for those two. Like CapSource's system, we have three, right? We have schools that want to build these programs, we have students that are going through those programs, and then companies look at those students as candidates. They're like it's a totally different user role. So I think for us, the I think what will prove to be what makes or breaks CapSource and and results in us, you know, being able to grow the business is can we take that three sided marketplace, start just by monetizing the schools? They're more they're 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 way less resourced. They're also way more difficult to work with than companies. They expect far more and pay a lot less. But can we leverage the success that we created there? Because we, we really built the platform with a foundation for the schools. And then we attracted companies. And the companies are interested in what we're building. and want to get more involved now. And because of that, now there's an opportunity to say, okay, we actually came up with a few tools that you could use that are going to result in outcomes that you care about, as opposed to the school. And so that's, that's what we're doing now. It's very difficult to build a three-sided marketplace, A. It's B. It's very difficult to monetize even one of those three sides successfully. And then C, now to monetize a second side while you're still effectively serving the first side is something yet to be seen as you know, successful for us, but it's what we're working on. You know, it's like, can we actually grow our, you know, our enterprise like that and, and really just get like, more power users using features in-depth?
0: I think that's so important as you say there, because some people might hear that and they've got an idea or they're looking to enter a marketplace and they're like, oh cool, yeah. Like I'm just gonna make sales to both these guys at the same time, get on all these users. And it's like, well, you've got to do like you've got to do one thing well and then and then add on to those other avenues. Can you remember back to the first like school that you got on board? How did that how did that go about? Like what was like the first couple of schools getting on board? How did that work for you?
1: So we went after capstone programs because it's the closest model to actually what we wanted to replicate, right? We said, okay, so these students are students, right? They're in an MBA program. It was Fordham University at the time. And then we, we shortly after brought on Maryland. And so both of those schools had a very similar problem. It wasn't exactly the same. And that's what makes some of our systems so unique is like it technically can serve both of those needs. so. At Maryland, they needed help building class projects, right? 30 students, a professor working with a company. What does that look like? How did, and then basically turning that into technology is what, what, what we did. All the while, Fordham said, hey, we want to find one project for all of our MBA students in small teams. And they want to work hand-in-hand with the company, And the educators are kind of just like monitoring and providing advice, but they're not really involved as much as, you know, a class project like our live case. Um, And so those were our first two MVPs of the product was, okay, we need to figure out how to build that. We need need to figure out how to track the, the process after they're built to make sure it goes well. And then we need to be able to be, for that to be valuable enough for the students and for the educators that are involved in those programs so that they come back to us. We didn't really care as much about the companies, although the first company I ever got to work with us worked six, has done six more projects since we started. So wow. he's been, he was an early adopter and he's still a power user. And you know, that goes to show, like, if you, you know, for he's still actually a free customer. He only does our class projects, right? And, and we actually are starting to charge now for you know enterprise software and custom internship programs that you ma- that you manage through our software. And so it's interesting because there's not really a lot of players doing that. I don't know any companies that are really doing like internship program management. And it's very complimentary because it's exactly the same tools that we already offer our schools and their educators. So for us, it's just like, okay, packing up, features and you know making them available for different user types and you know being you know being fearless in terms of getting feedback and iterating because that's another thing you asked earlier what's the best piece of advice so other than not charging both sides of the marketplace you have to be scrappy with the technology because if you are so committed to one you can't change it that easily. And then you can't actually validate that what you're trying to do actually will scale. And so that's one thing we, we've we've been on WordPress ever since we started. And I think it's a great way to validate your assumptions and start to get traction. And then, you know, then you dream up something big and bold. But like, you know, once you build eight apps on a mobile app that you have, that you're selling through the app, Apple App Store, You can't actually just push out new screens that easily and add new features without really getting approval from them. So it's just like, you know, start with like a micro version of the experience that you could just manually see what happens. And then after that, you know, go, go at it and have a good time and build it in whatever language and framework you want.
0: Yeah. That's so important. Like for so many of our clients as well, we like, it's just the biggest thing that I try and drill into them is that is that you need to get that MVP, you need to get that beta test out there, you need to get like that first runs on the board before you go and commit to doing all this crazy stuff. So, you know, before you go and commit to building all this custom, completely done things, it's like, oh, just – Get it out there, make sure that the people want it. Make sure that it's like, you know, your actual your hypothesis is validated before you go and commit, you know, all this crazy amount of resources to doing something. So it's good good to hear that you're on the same side of things there. So going forward this year and and onwards, like what are some of the goals and, and projects for you guys going forward?
1: Yeah, so I think we're in the midst now of validating our our product for industry partners. Our big goal is to turn into an enterprise software company like Salesforce, but for learning and hiring, that is all about experiential, right? It's like, okay, I want, you know, I want to engage new talent. I want them, you know, to be able to experience some of the business and meet some people. And then I want to hire them. And then the schools are trying to build their own version of that experience. And we want to just provide the tool set to make that possible And so far, it's been really amazing how, you know, we're working with Brickfields Asia College and a consortium of schools in Malaysia, and they're trying to get people back to work. That's the domain that they went with, BAC2 work. And that's just what we're doing with them. And they're using certain features in a certain way, and it all nicely rolls back up to our main ecosystem, which is learning and hiring, right? Like, that's the main outcome that we're trying to drive, and we're just trying to say, okay, we can do it well for schools. We're doing it right now for Notre Dame and the University of Montana. And so all of these schools are saying, okay, we want to do more of this learning and hiring business. How do we do it? Right. And we want to make it more intuitive. We want to get more of those software customers on from the school side. And then we want to build you know, an equally valuable and powerful tool set for the industry partners. And that's our big goal. And I think you know, another thing that we're doing this year is raising money. We're completely bootstrapped to date. Funded based on revenue from clients, have grown those clients over many, many moons and many, many long nights. But truly, like such a growth experience for me. I, I think that's one of my favorite quotes. I like to say is education is about chasing curiosity, and entrepreneurship is about monetizing. So you, it means oh, really, I- yeah, you really get to like chase down you know what you're curious about to the point where you're making money.
0: That's awesome. I love that. I love that quote. And as we get to towards the end of our time here together, I always like to ask the same question as we get towards the end, which is, is there a question that I didn't ask you that I should have?
1: I don't, you know, it's always, that's always such an interesting question. Cause like, I think we've had such a good chat and I guess, you know, the, my question, you know, that I would love to ask the audience, right. That's listening to this is like, how does how does the, the Australian system, work and fit into this, right? Like I, that's something that of course is, I think that people, humans, right? I I totally do not look at people as ethnic, racial, sex, like all those things don't matter. We're all learners. We're all just hungry and curious and we need Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So yes, you have to be, you cannot be intellectually stimulated if you don't have a house, roof over your head, food in your tummy, clean water, like those things are important Things like no doubt about it. The next order of business is okay. How do we make this global society of humans the most connected and effective as possible? And I think you know how does Australia fit into that? How does source fit into Australia as they're fitting into that? I think that's that's what I'd be curious to learn. I don't know the answer to that. I'm having a great time figuring out in the U.S. But as I mentioned earlier, like as soon as we kind of talk to people from overseas, they have the same problems, Malaysian young professionals and Malaysian companies. We're working with an organization called international study programs in Prague that wants to put, you know, trips together for students and include projects with companies. So they're using our system for that purpose and they work with companies all over the globe. So it's just like, you know this problem for as long as you're, you know, Homo sapien and you're breathing and curious. I think we can help kind of satiate and potentially even provide more hunger, right? Provide more of an opportunity to dive deeper. And I'm just interested to see how how we might be able to work with, you know, folks in Australia that are interested and and uh, continue to grow around the world.
0: I'm sure there's a huge need. Like it's been a few years since I've been out of uni now, but I know when I was there, I was like, it would definitely everything that you shared today would have been like. I would I would have been all over that as a student, and I could see the benefit for everyone involved. So I might have still have some old uh, old uni contacts with the uh, alumni associations. I'll see if I can get any contact details for you and, uh, and connect you up. But if uh, if people have been listening to that, and they maybe that maybe there's someone that actually has an answer, a really good answer to that question, better than me, or someone that wants to know more about what you guys are up to, where's the best place for them to connect with you?
1: So our website is cap source.io. So there's a there's literally a button to schedule a meeting you'll be able to meet directly with our team if you want a demo of the software you want to see some examples of our experiences that we build. so we're happy to do that. otherwise feel free to poke around. We also very active on LinkedIn if you search Jordan levy, hopefully you don't need the word cap source but it should come up then uh, feel free to connect with me and we can chat and, and talk about you know examples or maybe scheduling some time. And then I would say, other than that, you know, my email is CapSource.io. So feel free to just shoot me an email. I'm happy to, you know, take a read and, and get you in touch with the right people or take a call directly if, you know, that's the right, you know, use of time for both of us. So, I, you know, I appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity to share what we're doing, you know, with you and your audience. It means a lot to me.
0: Absolute pleasure. It's been great having a chat and finding out what you're up to. And uh, it's definitely, definitely got me curious on a lot of things. So guys, if you're listening to this, please make sure share it with someone. If there's someone maybe that's in that space or is uh, uh, maybe there's someone that you know, that's a student or at uni or uh, works with a uni and uh, you want to get them some insights as to what's happening. Because I think Australia for a lot of things, it's like whilst we we do well in a lot of areas, a lot of the space when it comes to tech, I think is we're not really being incentivized enough to do that over here. Shelley's big on uh, mining and exports and things like that, but I think uh, it would be it would uh, definitely help out the whole of the country to, to get more into the, the spaces like this for improving not only our education, but obviously adopting new technologies as well. So, guys, if you know anyone, please share this episode around. Make sure that you subscribe as well so that you can hear, hear from more people that are amazing, just like Jordan. And Jordan, again, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you making the time.
1: Thanks, Kim. This has been great. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, getting down under soon.
0: See you soon. Cheers.